Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Three Girls, One Teacup. No, wait. I mean, welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship. I'm Genesis, the girl who is starting to love the process of post-production. I never thought that my love for puzzles would translate into the moving bits and clips and all making all the lines look similar in size. And I'm Vervada, the girl who loves doing the research and analysis part of the podcast. So Jen and I really make a great team. Today is a special interview episode. While we won't be covering a specific character or romance, we have the honor and privilege of having interviewed the hosts of the Dragon Age Lorecast, Teacup and Sheacup, a.k.a. Austin and Shelby. While we mainly focus on the Dragon Age series at large, we also go off on tangents. Did you really expect anything else from us? And we discuss other games like Mass Effect and Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and Inquisition, and DA2, and yeah, a lot. So... So, here's your fucking spoiler alert. No pun this week, Sam. Just sending speedy recovery vibes. Alright, let's get this tea party started. Oh, you want me to? Okay. You can go first. Um, Okay, well, I'm SheCup, and I am actually kind of new to the Dragon Age universe. I um, played through all the games in quarantine like in 2020 when we were all kind of just hanging out in our houses because of the covid um so i'm i consider myself kind of new still to the fandom uh, but austin or teacup basically bullied me into playing the games it was like you would like this you would like this you would like this you would like this play this so finally i did and he was right and i was hooked and that was that was it so i guess that would mean then that Austin, you played it when it first came out, or did you start with Inquisition or Origins? No, I didn't play it when it first came out. My timeline's a little like iffy. I can't really get into like when exactly it is. But I first picked up Origins and then because I knew it was a Bioware game and 
I really loved KOTOR. Like I have to this day have every single puzzle of KOTOR memorized. That's how many times that I've played the game. So like when Sheikup first played KOTOR, she'd be like, I can't get this puzzle. And I'd be like, the answer is this. Um, That's amazing. And so I saw that it was Bioware and I was like, oh, well, they made KOTOR. So this might be good. And I picked it up and I actually only when Origins, when I first picked up Origins, I only made it to Lothering before I stopped playing. (laughs) Early. Just because the combat system was really slow for me. Um, I was kind of new to like traditional RPGs with like building your abilities and all of that kind of stuff. So I was, it just didn't really catch me that way. So I ended up picking it up again because, and I do this all the time. I'll just start games and then stop them 30 minutes away and be like, okay, well, let me go like back to this again. And then, uh, so I did that with Origins and I'll tell you, um... It was a very streamlined playthrough of Origins. Like, I didn't do any side quest. My character didn't have a romance. And I actually never beat the Archdemon fight because I took the wrong squad configuring. So I couldn't, like, do the the final fight. Oh my gosh. So, but then I saw Dragon Age 2. And I picked that up and I just got so immersed into Dragon Age 2. And... I remember you saying that was your favorite my, Dragon Age. Yeah. Yeah. It is absolutely my favorite Dragon Age. I just love the story. I love the characters. So yeah, there's that. I've since played through Origins a couple of times. I have done, I've done every Origin. I have not completed the game with every Origin, but I've done them. I haven't completed the game with every Origin either, but I definitely played through all of them. Just out of curiosity, which Origin story was your favorite? I really enjoy the Dwarven Noble. That's my favorite one too. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, so I just really like that one because I think it really gives a point in the game that you don't see. Dwarven culture is probably the culture we know the least about, other than like the ancient elves, but that's because even the elves don't remember that. But so I really like that because you got to kind of see the inner political workings. And I, to this day, will never pick Balin in the Dwarven story because of that Agreed. origin. Agreed. Yeah. Actually, that's funny, My because the Dwarven Noble one is my favorite, but specifically if you play as the female Dwarven Noble, because of the little tiny itty bitty romance you get with your right hand man. I can't remember his name. Do you remember? Steve Bloom voices him. And there's like, if you flirt oh, with yeah. him, and like just twice, you can kind of establish this little romance with him. And then when you get kicked to the surface, it's like this super sad goodbye when he gets thrown in jail. <laughs> it's such a poignant beginning. I loved that. What's your? Do you have a favorite origin story, Sheikup? Um, yes, mine is the city elf. Um, and I am like kind of an elf simp. Like the first two times I played Origins, I did Dalish elf, and then I did city elf, like back to back. Um, and so my canon state is the city elf playthrough where I romanced Zevran, and I really love the city elf with Zevran because I feel like they have so much in common. Um. It just in the way they grew up and like, you know, as the city elf, you do have a family or Zevran doesn't, but, um, just like that state of being an elf in a predominantly, you know, human culture where, you know, you're different. Um, I think that they just have a lot in common because of that. So I really liked that playthrough. Um, it made it feel a little bit more, maybe significant is not the right word, but like, you know, when you play the City Elf playthrough, you lived in Denerum and the alienage, 
you are from that city and you're fighting for that city at the end of the game, right? So I think that that makes it a little bit more impactful when like you are from this place. And that's the only origin that can say that because the Dalish elf is from whatever forest. The the dwarves are obviously from Orzammar and the human is from High Ever, which is to the north west of Denerum. Um, so I think that that just makes that a little bit more impactful and that, you know, it that playthrough has a special place in my heart. So, and I, I really need to play the Dwarven Noble, both of the Dwarven playthroughs because I've never done either of those. Um, I've done all the other ones, but those are the last two for me. So clearly I need to... I haven't even played the origin stories since I first played the game back when it came out, which mm-hmm. was when I was still in high school. So, and that still just sticks right. out in my memory because it was, I, I had, I think I played it one of the last origins too. Cause after I beat the game, I was like, let me just look at all these origin stories yes. and play through them. And yeah. that one was like, wow, that one was so good. It was like its own little movie just wrapped up in the beginning part. It was so awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think for all of the non-human origin stories, it's kind of like a little bit, they are ambassadors for their race basically, because unless you're a human, everyone else as a gray warden there, or even just a normal person, they don't expect anyone to come save the humans, right? If they're not human. So I think it's, you kind of serve as that purpose. It's like, it's almost like a social justice thing when you're playing as a non-human. It's kind of great. It's a nice parallel. But Jen, do you have, are you just listening? I know you're not (laughs) as familiar with Dragon Age as the rest of us, maybe. No, but I, you know, I have played, I think I put like 45, 50 hours into the game so far. And so I've gotten pretty far. And especially now that, um, because I went with the castless dwarf as my first playthrough and going back through Orzammar right now and just learning more about what happened because it's kind of tragic the way that her story starts out you know it's like the first thing is oh by the way your sister's a whore and your mom's a drunk let's see what you can do while you're in a gang and I'm like the hell did I sign up for that was my last play the last playthrough I did was the Dwarven Outcast one and it came pretty close to a good origin one of the reasons that the dwarves really stick out to me more than like the Dalish elf star or the human like noble is that they set up so much of the political landscape that you're going to be interacting with later in the game and the human noble kind of does that but Mm. like you don't really get to like why are housemen attacking you you don't really get any of that background whereas like and then like the city elf gives you kind of the elven plight in the city you get that with them and but i really liked that and you know it comes back later depending on which dwarven if you're a dwarf depending on which origin you pick can really influence what you decide for the fate of orzammar no i was like i'm definitely leaning towards the one that's going for reform and uh to allow you know anybody to do the job that they want to do right and like that's the thing with Balin and Haramot like Balin says he wants these reforms and would actually probably be better for Orzammar and for the dwarves than Haramot who is this like traditionalist but Balin is such an asshole like he is such a jerk so I'm always super torn on that decision. Haramont is very much a like Ned Stark type of character where he he's very honorable. He's very likable. He's very like traditional. And I think he's a good person and a good moral. But he doesn't always make the most sound political or decisions that need to be for the structure like society. Yeah, I remember when I played, I actually, the Dwarven Noble character, I... 
I'm also a chronic elven simp girl myself. So I played that game, though, as a dwarf up until the point I went back to Orzammar. So I was like, I'm getting revenge. Like, I was so attached to that character. I was like, he's going down. We're going to get him. I'm going to set everything right. <laughs> it was great. And then you do get I... to see your little right-hand man again. But I think... They kind of that that was what disappointed me the most actually was once I got there because I also was like I'm gonna go get him I can't even remember his name <laughs> but and then you see him and he's like oh yeah sorry I've moved on you're like what yeah. what yeah it's like a really disappointing end but yeah for how attached you felt in the beginning <laughs> and that's I think that's one thing that like sets Dragon Age Origins out apart from the rest of the Dragon Age series is there are two origins where you have like a romance in the origin story like in the city elf origin it's you're getting more married than that, though because in um, the human noble origin you can basically hook up with this i can't remember who it is i can't remember their name but somebody that comes to like visit your family's keep you can you can hook up with them and develop this little mini romance and the dalish elf too it's implied that your friend tamlin that gets hurt by the alluvion that you're oh, yeah. like not in a romance officially but like yeah close to it so and in the human if you're a human mage and you're an ml yeah colin sent for has that ml for hard <laughs> so i think that's what i i wonder if there's someone who romanced colin in origins and then inquisition like do they get mad because colin moved on from their warden or well depending on what whether your warden survives or not that's I fair guess would depend on that i read somewhere because i was doing research for an upcoming episode Cullen will mention the ML in some things if it's done correctly in the background, but it's nothing more than that. I love how there's always some kind of romance going on. That's I, what you were saying about Origins. I feel like I was so attached to my warden, even though she didn't speak, because I picked her and like she had her own literally origin story. Like, you know, you know, Hawk is either Sister Hawk or Brother Hawk, like... <laughs> you're you're very set and then the inquisitor you you kind of just meet them for the first time other than that like you don't really know who your inquisitor is really so i love that about origins i wish i hope i don't know what they're going to do with dragon age 4 but at the very least i guess i hope to find out more about the ancient elves and also maybe bring back a little bit above the origin bit from origins i kind of hope they take a page out of mass effects book and let you pick kind of like well i want them to pick races and then i want them to have different like backgrounds maybe not a whole like scene you go through but like the game like the mass effect universe changes whether shepherd is the uh, psychological profile and whatever the mm -hmm. military record they say i can't remember yeah background yeah that would be amazing and, so, and like different quests are available to you mm -hmm. depending on what you pick and set up but yeah i think that's really unique about origins and i think one of the things that when i sell origins to people even though it's not my favorite i say this is probably as close as you're going to get to D&D &D in a video game outside of like the official D&D &D video games. Yeah, and that's high praise because that's literally their whole goal when they first set out to make Dragon Age. So mm -hmm. they obviously won. Yeah. They met their goal. That was probably the first like true RPG I'd ever played because I didn't grow up playing D&D &D either. So when I, that was what initially drew me to it. It was like, you get to pick who you are and you can be an elf because my mom read me the hobbit and lord of the rings when i was a baby so like mm -hmm. legolas is always my favorite i've always had now i've come to accept that i'm samwise gamgee i'm just a hobbit <laughs> who wants to be an elf so like i enjoy games that let me do that 
Um, so I'm always can, like an elf in all my canon playthroughs. So I guess we can move on to the romance bits. You said, Teacup, that you didn't romance anyone your first playthrough. Did you ever pick somebody? Well, so I've always done the dark ritual. And so in my like, I think I was 16 or 17 when I played Origins, that mindset, I was like, oh, that's my romance was that scene with Morgan in the Dark Ritual. Mm-hmm. So, which I now know is not the case. And then, but I tried, in this last playthrough, I tried to romance Liliana, but I don't know if y'all know this, but that romance apparently is super buggy. Oh, is and it? so it bugged out on me. Yeah. Oh, I've never I romanced have, her. I have quit so many playthroughs because Bioware romances have bugged out on me. They still haven't released a patch for that. I'm laughing. I'm laughing no. over here. Wow. Literally, like, he will start a new playthrough, and I'll be like, oh, who are you going to romance? And he'll say Ashley or, you know, Blackwall or whoever. And then, like, two days later, he'll be like, I abandoned my playthrough. My romance got messed up. <laughs> like, without wow, fail. Wow, that's never, not an Inquisition. Without fail. Well, this last time with Ashley in Mass Effect, I was too nice to Liara, and... Oh. I never got the confrontation scene. So it just locked me into the Liara romance. And I was like, well, this was boring. I need to tell you about Uh, my Blackwell accident. (laughs) Now that you've said that. Oh Oh my God. It literally happened this year because I started after I had a surgery and I had a lot of time and I finished Legendary Edition of Mass Effect. I was like, let me just pick up Inquisition again. And I knew it was going to romance Solus again because I am stupid. And, um... I, I don't know, something about him being an elf. And I was like, ooh, okay. It's such a disappointing romance, but also so good. Anyway, I was like, let me just flirt with everyone. <laughs> flirt with Blackwall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't do that, guys. <laughs> don't flirt with everyone. And I flirted with Blackwall one too many times. And I didn't realize his lock-in scene is on the parapets at Skyhold. And you're you're just like, no, I really like you. And he's like, you can't really like me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. And then you kiss him. And that's the lock-in scene. And then right after that, I went to talk to Solus because it was supposed to be like the in the fade return to Haven dream scene where he first kisses you if you romance him. And the romance option did not pop up. And I was like, what did I do wrong? Oh, no. And I Googled it. And it was like, that's the lock in scene for Blackwell. Now you have to romance Blackwall. And I'm like, I don't want to romance him. And then I went to go get my last save. And it was like 16 hours oh, in the past. <laughs> I literally started, I just, I just loaded it up and I was like, I guess this is my life now. I'm going to replay everything I just did because I don't want to romance Blackwall. I know his ending and I don't want that, but I know Solus's and I guess I still want that. I don't know. Sometimes I like to punish myself and I think about ways I could like break my character. That is so mean. (laughs) So I think about romancing Blackwall and then letting him die. Oh, yeah. Just because, like, playing, like, a more lawful, like, Inquisitor, like, you did, like, you should die for this. And I can never do it solely because I come out of the game and I'm like, but he's the best tank in the game. Mm-hmm. I can't, like... Just for the gameplay. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if that's how, like, the Mass Effect 1 players feel about, like, oh, I'm romancing Caden and then I choose for him to die on Vermeer. I did that last, my first playthrough through Legendary. I did that. I locked in... Well, because I knew, because now I plan my Mass Effect runs solely around who I'm going to romance. It's the only way to do it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to like start a romance for Caden, and then I'm going to sacrifice him, and then I'm going to romance. No, I did that backwards. I started a romance with Ashley and then sacrificed her so I could then romance Tally. Because I had never done that. So my first legendary thing was romancing Tally, which was pretty up there. 
Yeah, because why be an ex when you can be a widow, right? (laughs) Yeah, see? See? (laughs) Smart plans coming together. Uh, I really like Alistair's story in Origins. He makes me laugh because he is literally (laughs) so stupid sometimes. And my go-to scene for Alistair is, so at the end of the game... If you get him to marry Anora, which I know you didn't because people are selfish and they want him for himself. Mm -hmm. And so you like have a whole conversation with him about this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to like. You're going to marry Anora and then you're rule. And then you get to the end scene of origin and they're like, okay, who's going to rule for Eldon? And you say that and Alistair's like, what? No one ever told me this. And I literally (laughs) said, I just told you five minutes ago. There's this one dialogue option where Morrigan's complaining about how stupid Alistair is. And if you're romancing him, you can say, he's an idiot, but he's my idiot. And it's just the best. There's also, there's (laughs) also a good, I think it's about Shale where Morrigan says something like, we have a rock in the party and Alistair's still the dumbest one. Or something like that. Yep. She says something something the same thing about the dog. Like, we have a dog and Alistair's still the smelliest or whatever. Or something like that. That's hilarious. But he's not actually that stupid. Uh, He just, like, has no people skills whatsoever. There's this really cool scene that you might want to do if you have some time. Like, if you make Alistair a warden, make him stay a warden. And you do the um, Winter Palace quest like the harem shawl the winter the ball before you go to the gray wardens alistair and morrigan will have a conversation mm-hmm. where he meets if if you've done the dark ritual alistair meets Kieran and is like oh is this him i expected him to have like tentacles or something or like oh basically gosh. be a demon and morgan's like he's a boy like a normal boy and you whether or not depending on who did the dark ritual they have a conversation about like meeting his father or if you've done the expansion and like that and it's just a really like it's a small detail that like i think is what brings me back to these bioware games of like how the world subtly changes based on these decisions that you make Uh, Mm -hmm. down to like some of the stupidest things where you know you can help conrad Werner because you took the time to go get all the asari matriarch writings i laughed out loud when they when they said that when shepherd's like oh well i have all these i didn't know what to do with them will they help yeah it's funny how those loose ends get tied up really nice and neatly Mm -hmm. but it's so satisfying though and here on this podcast, we stand with Conrad Verger. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I and think, all of his lookalikes. I think every time I've played, it's always had that bug where he just doesn't show up again. I, or I did something wrong. Oh. Yeah, so I've never been able to give him the writings or do anything. But, mm. oh well. So, you like Alistair's romance, but you romanced Morrigan when you first played it. Yeah, which, and I tried to do Liliana, which... I hate Liliana. That is controversial. Um, It is. I know. Mm, Hot take over here. But I just, I don't know. I just, I have a thing for like the I'm gonna murder you woman in video games. Like, I just like that. And, you know, it just, I like that little, I like two and three and Inquisition's Liliana a lot better. Just because she is a lot more. The badass who owns her shit instead of like... I'll be timid about she's it. She's also not naive mm-hmm. in Inquisition well, and two. Like yeah. she's so naive in Origins, no. and that that does pressure. So I get where you're coming. Right, and and like it's also kind of heartbreaking in a way. Like if certain things happen in Origins to get to Inquisition, like and you t- you ask Liliana about the Warden and you romanced her and the Warden sacrificed themselves. It's really heartbreaking the way she talks about it. She basically just says, "I'll never love again." 
Yeah. And well, I because we're doing Leiliana this week, you know, and I've been doing a lot of research about her romance specifically. And I've never romanced her personally, so I didn't really know what I was going to find out. And I also, I remember when I first played Inquisition and Leiliana came back as a main character, I was, I, I didn't recognize her. I was like, what the heck? This is insane. This is the same Leiliana. I don't remember her being like this. But it makes more sense, I think, when you've romanced her, because when you meet her in Origins, and she's kind of coming out of this period where she was decompressing from all her trauma in Orlais, mm-hmm. and she kind of redirected her attachment style to the Chantry versus, what's her name, Marjolaine, or that woman that, yeah, yeah. she um, just redirected her attachment, and then, you know, she leaves the Chantry, essentially, and at during origins and if you romance her it's like the first time she can trust somebody like she literally says to you like i feel safe in your arms and so it's it's so horrible thinking that you know you romanced her then your warden dies and she's like literally the only actual true love i've ever had in my whole life is dead now like no wonder she turns into this bitter spy master hood up literally just shutting out everything i think and like one of my most because i've done the dragon age keep which allows you to which i think now is the only way to import a save on xbox like if you're not playing on pc Mm. if you want to import your choices and so i really want to do a world state and inquisition where i had a human mage romance liliana because to me like it sets up a i wonder if the background changes because liliana is so pro mage um in everything and i want to see if like having that background to her would change like either make her more so or like add extra dialogue to that Mm. that'd be interesting i know when you play as an elf because she's so focused on the chantry and she kind of like fills in personality gaps in herself because she's been like manipulated her whole life and stuff so she's like i'm just who everyone's wanted me to be this whole time and then she kind of took on chantry personality before she finally finds her own path and she'll regurgitate some chantry nonsense about elves to you and you can put her in her place basically Mm. And she actually gives you approval for that because she that's like one of the first times you can really see her grow as a person, I feel like. So it's probably, I would hope, similar type thing with the mage warden. She can see, you know, because mages are a hot topic for Dragon Age. You either love them or you hate them. I think, and like this is one of the things that I love about the Origins characters in general is every single one of them is being manipulated or has identity issues even to like you know these less loved characters like ogren like he has he has to re-identify himself because of everything that is happens in the deep roads and depending on what you have to do and like alistair he first built his whole life around the chantry and being a templar and then he joins the great wardens and he's built this whole life within the Great Wardens, and then everything falls apart. Morgan is obviously being manipul- manipulated by Flemeth and all of that. And then Liliana is kind of escaping what she thinks her life should be. And so, and Zevran with the crows. It's just a good sum up of like characters. And that's what made them feel so real to me, at least, is that you get to walk alongside them as they reconstruct their identity through your quest. Yeah, same with Shale, because mm-hmm. like, Shale was literally just a golem, and then you let them have their own personality and be like, what do you want to do? Hate birds. <laughs> that's that's what I Shale wants to do. Shale. Hate on that birds. Awesome. What is your favorite, or who did you romance first, I should say? She cut. Well, first I romanced Liliana first, um, and then I did Zevran. So you, usually um, my second playthrough is my canon playthrough, just because... 
I like to go in blind the first time, which often has some heartbreaking consequences mm-hmm. in, in that playthrough. Oof. You should tell them what, what happened. You should, yeah. I would love to hear what happened. Um, well, like everyone died, first of all. So I had to kill Zevran because his approval wasn't high enough when Taliesin came back. So I had to kill him. Oh, no. I didn't do the dark ritual, so I lost Morgan. And then at the lands meet, I thought, I thought it would be smart to get Loghain as a Grey Warden because here is my reasoning. There's only a couple of us, right? It's me, it's Alistair, and it's the Reordan guy. That's it. That's all you have. So I was like, okay, we really need another Grey Warden. Like, this could bolster our ranks. This will help us have more of a chance against the Archdemon. And then Alistair threw his little hissy fit, and, well, that happened. So yep. I got low game. It was really sad. <laughs> Speaking. I think I would scream if that yes. happened in my playthrough, and I I wouldn't know right. that that, that was, was coming. Terrible. Like, I would freak out. Would you Would you have to save Scum? Yes. <laughs> Alistair is baby. I cannot lose him. <laughs> if he got killed because he wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't accept low gain. I would have thought the same thing There's... too, though. Going in blind, like we should have more gray yeah. wardens. It's logical. Mm-hmm. Alistair's no, not logical. Not at all. And, like, now I usually, like, I will research a guide, but when I was playing this for the first time, I was like, Austin, what should I do? Should I do this or should I do that? And he was just like, you should do what you want to do. Do what your character would do. <laughs> I was like, okay. In true well, RPG fashion. And I straight up, like, <laughs> lost the lands meet so bad on that playthrough because I had no idea what mm. I was doing. But... My canon playthrough is right. the city elf romancing Zebrin. And I really love him. I love him a lot because like deep down underneath the like outer shell of assassin and sexy elf person, like he has a really tender heart and that has not been nurtured mm-hmm. in his life at all. In fact, it's, you know, been pushed down further and further, I think. But you really see that come out after the game. Like if you do the ritual and you talk to him after, and if you play Awakening, I think he sends you a letter and it's just really sweet how he treats you. It kind of seems like the four romance options and origin specifically, the romance with the warden heals them in some way. Some more than others, like Alistair, Mm. I feel like is the least, like he's experienced love kind of in his life from you know familiar love from Arl Eamon and stuff but I think the most extreme example is Morrigan because she's literally never been loved ever and like you're the first friend let alone lover and but you know Leliana and Severn both too like that's their your first chosen love and genuine love which makes it all more special I don't know if that's true for every Bioware romance but at least for Origins I think it's true who I guess I mean do you want to go past Origins we can talk about the other Dragon Age games for all I care I love them all I do have one more thing about Origins I think that Origins I would say has the deepest romances while the other games might have more romance scenes, I feel like watching the origin scenes and hearing them, they feel more authentic. Whereas, you know, like there's the old joke in Inquisition, you know, like the warden sneezes or the, the Inquisitor sneezes and Blackwall has to change his pants. <laughs> it's so true. And like that, that's kind of like, and that's how like Caden and Ashley are with Shepard. Like you just look in their general direction and they're in love with you. And I feel like Origins at least makes you kind of like work for it. They feel like yes. real relationships. 
Like, you befriend them mm-hmm. first, too. Like, you don't just jump straight into, ooh, you're so hot. You know, like, the other games, you, you can flirt just right off the bat, and, like, that's the clear direction to romance. You don't even have to befriend them, necessarily. But with Origins, right. with the approval system, I think it really makes it, like, you have to make them like you first as a friend or as a person, and then they really do feel like real people, almost, because you're playing, you are the Wardens, so then you are romancing Alistair as Everin or Leliana or Morrigan, and... Yeah, I definitely agree. I like the non-fangirl aspect to their romances, too. Yeah. Let me give you little statues so that way you can play toy soldier in your tent. I'm pretty sure Alistair is one of the youngest, if of the party members so i will give him a pass yeah on that. He's like 19 or yeah something. i think he's that really, is true. yeah 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 he's yeah. a baby mm-hmm. do you feel there like is? genesis is just <laughs> dumbfounded Jesus christ i already felt like a dirty old woman taking this young kid's virginity and now you tell me he's 19 on top of it my god there's a really like um sweet headcanon that is around the dragon age fandom about a human noble romancing alistair and that like because they're both raised by noble families so like and like the um oh what is their last name kuzlin the kuzlins the kuzlin the kuzlins are the tairns of high ever they're like next to Logain. they're like the highest nobles in ferelden and so obviously you know warden kuzlin and alistair would have met before at some point and so like there's this headcanon of them like meeting and playing and like either red cliff or high ever oh my god it's and... so cute i totally <laughs> so cute. i totally believe that that happened <laughs> i do love that i would watch yes. that show or yes. play that game <laughs> and i do think what sets origins apart is like there's not a bad romance i don't think you can say that for some of the other mm-hmm. games like we all have our romances nope. that are like, you are right. mm, don't, did not like that very much. Everyone's split on Solus. Like, we all know that. Mm. But there is not a bad romance in Origins. There are some that are better, I think, in my opinion. But I don't think there's a bad romance. Mm-hmm. Insert Lady Gaga. <laughs> and, and there's not really a point of, like, a lackluster romance. Like, a fling sort of romance that you get. Like... That's one of the things that like frustrates me about Mass Effect two and three is that they insert these fling romance like Chambers and Kelly, I think it's, yeah, and then Allers and there's other things and like you know the consort is one thing it's not a party member it's romance not, it's whatever yeah no you get yeah sorry yeah <laughs> it's like you get uh, rewarded with sex it's not a romance yeah so you're basically a prostitute is what that tells me um the only bad things i can say about origins romances is i wish i wish that there was more to some of them but that well what we do have is great like in two i think everyone can agree anders's romance sucked you know (laughs) like um i okay (laughs) did i just open a can of worms yes well because i have a very traumatic story about anders please share my first and this is a good transition because we can talk about dragon age 2 so I befriended Aders. My canon romance for Dragon Age 2 is Fenris. Um, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But so I befriended Anders because I tend to fall on the mage side of things. I understand like mages are dangerous. Like they wield ungodly power and can topple armies and cities with a small number of people. Like 
there has to be regulations for the safety of the people. But I think the Templars go too far in a lot of ways. Um, So I ended up siding with Anders. And when that scene at the end of Dragon Age 2 and what happens, that is the only time I have ever rage killed a party member because I was so angry at him. (laughs) Did you? You didn't romance him in that playthrough. No, I've never romanced him. Because I was so, I was so angry. I romanced Isabella in that playthrough because it was the easiest. So, but I was so angry because I was like, dude, I put so, like, I have put myself on the line. Um, I was a rogue. So Bethany, like, was in the circle. And I was like, you, like, dude, my sister, you did all of this. You suck. And I rage, I rage killed him. Gosh, I need to do research more on Dragon Age 2 romances for when we do that game. (laughs) Because I only romanced Fenris, but I remember initially, very, very short period of time, when I first played Dragon Age 2, I was attracted to Anders because I was like, okay, he's slightly similar to Alistair. He's got the British accent and he's kind of redheaded. He likes cats, which is obviously <laughs> a plus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he's kind of funny. And then I like, I don't know, he just, he had so many moments where he was un- irrationally angry all of a sudden over something I was talking about. And I was like, ooh, there's kind of... I don't really like that. Like what's going on there? And then you go to find out he's got that. He's basically an abomination. Yep. And then mm-hmm. towards the end of the game, when you, when you find out exactly what happens and he does his thing and you're like, Oh wow. Glad I didn't romance you. <laughs> Can you imagine romancing him and then killing him? I'm sure that's an option. Yeah, I'm sure that yeah, happens. I haven't looked it. up to that. It definitely. is I an think option. the thing for me about Anders is two things. Number one, if you're like flirting with all of the people, which you can do easily in two, Anders will get super jealous no matter your gender and like act really possessive and that like turned me off so much from him but also actually I have three things number two is he is so different in Dragon Age 2 from his character in the DLC for Origins Awakening and so I was like this is not even it feel it doesn't even feel like the same person but that's like the demon or spirit, whatever you want to call it, I think. But the mm-hmm. real the real thing that made me like dislike, officially dislike Anders is if you romance Fenris and actually I don't even think you have to, no, I think you do have to romance him. Anyway, it do- doesn't matter. In Fenris's side quest, when you go to fight Daenerys, his former slave owner, you have the option to give Fenris back and turn him back into slavery. And Anders, if you do that, if you turn Fenris back over to to Daenerys, Anders gains approval. What? I would have never known that because I never give Fenris yeah. back. It is yeah. so messed up. And I've never done yeah. that either. I just know that because yeah. I do research for our podcast. But I, like the day I read that was the day that like the door to Anders ever being romanced yeah. ended for me. Like. No, no, I, I can't. Yeah. I just can't do it. But I do think... Was it a minor approval or a major approval? I, I have no idea. No I have no okay. idea. Um, but, um, yeah. My my heart won't yeah. let me do that. Yeah. I could never, like... And, like, it's just... It's too, like... It's one of those things, like, you know, not curing the genophage. Like, I'm never going to, like, sabotage the genophage. Like, I can't do that. I can't... There are some things where like yeah. I can't immerse myself into the well because for me world. I'm I'm sure it's the same for you guys uh, when I play an RPG I morphed myself into this character so it's just an elf version of me or a dwarf version of me 
you know, so I would never do that. Right. So I'm not going to make my character do it. I can't bear it. I don't want to make the CGI characters upset or anything. You know, like, I can't bear that either. So whatever, I would never, never give Fen respect, especially because I romanced him. I remember watching um, just recently, watching the full video of his romance. And I was like, wow, I don't remember him being this angsty. But I was also like way younger when I played that. So like maybe I was angsty and it kind of worked. But he he definitely comes off as like emo rock band lead singer. I whenever I play a game and I don't know if you all are like this. I know She Cub is like this, but. I like to bring my romance in the party, whether oh, it too. makes tactical yeah. sense uh-huh. or not. Like, Always with me forever. <laughs> it's just what you do. Yeah. And I bring Anders with me because, you know, you lose Bethany, whatever happens to her. He is the healer mage. Like, you ha- need to have a healer. And, you know, when I rage killed him, I had to summon Meryl for a mage slot. And fun fact, Meryl doesn't even have access to the healing tree. Like, you can't even build her as a healer at all. Oh, no. That doesn't make sense. Um, you think as, like, a Dalish elf mage, you would right. have to know healing, just story-wise? Mm-hmm. Well, like, her, it does make sense because her, like, companion tree is built around, like, this kind oh. of blood magic, like, power mm. thing like that. So she sacrificed heals for damage per second and things like that. But so, like, some of my favorite dialogue has been between Anders and Fenris. And I think that it's just a point of, like, and Fenris very much adds a needed balance to Dragon Age 2. Because if you don't really engage with him, it's very easy to, like, get sucked in and just be like, okay, Templars are evil and mages should be free because the Templars are so ridiculously evil in Dragon Age 2. And like, it was actually, I think, I can't remember if it was David Gator or another writer of Dragon Age. They actually said that they regret the ending of Dragon Age 2 because, or they regret like doing the Lyrium Idol because it took away all like credibility to the Templar side of the argument. Do you remember who that was, Shelby? I think you're right. I think it was David Gator on Twitter. And so I think Fenris is kind of that side in like, especially because he will push against Anders and basically... Because Anders will come up to him and just be like, you know, we really should be on the same side because like we're both like oppressed groups or whatever. And Fenris straight up looks in his eyes like, yeah, I I remember that, actually. And he just goes, it's it's not the same. He goes, I will not let it's basically like I will not destroy hundreds of. Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to just look at the Deventer Imperium and be like, this is why we don't have mages run free. You know, this is what happens. Yeah. Or at least that's what happened in there. And there's actually a really sweet conversation that could happen because, and it's actually one of my favorite quotes of all time from Fenris. Uh, Anders and him will be talking and he goes, you know, not all mages are weak. And if you're a mage, he'll go, you're right, Hawk is not weak. And if if you're not a mage, he'll say, you're right, Bethany is not weak. And Anders will say, I see you're not including me in that. And he goes, yep. And he goes, I'm, I'm not weak. I'll prove it to you. And Fenris says, you know, prove it to yourself. You're fooling no one else. Fenris um, has a lot of self-awareness. And it's and just... Like emotional and intelligence. Yes. And I think that's what, like, as a later adult kind of draws me to the Fenris romance is that he is, even though he is angsty, he's highly emotionally mm-hmm. intelligent. Well, you can understand and why like, he's so angsty, I think, as you're older. When I first played this game, I was like 20, mm-hmm. 19. Yeah, like 19. And I didn't, I couldn't empathize as much as I could now, I suppose. What's it like to be a traumatized slave for my whole life? You know, (laughs) maybe I would be angsty too. I probably would. Who wouldn't? Be full of anger. Yeah, he's very justifiably pissed. I was just gonna say, like, that's another thing, like, 
two is a good thing about like there are bad romances in two. Uh, Sebastian. Um, oh my gosh, I forgot about Sebastian. Is he a chase romance? <laughs> like as a character, uh, he is a chase. He is a chase romance, and you know you always say that Caden is a potato in an N seven suit or whatever. You know that's Sebastian for me. He's just like I literally don't even remember. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah. As a character, uh, well, definitely didn't romance him. Character, so. Not but there's right. Oh, maybe I didn't yeah, have that DLC. And so, but with Dragon Age two and just Bioware, like you can't really judge a character on your first interaction with them, right? Because which is so real for people, um, because you you dive in and you get into more depth, and like it's easy to write Isabella off as like you know the sex appeal of Dragon Age two, but you get into like you kind of delve into that and like learn like who she is as a person and like why she's actually in trouble with these pirates, um, which is a really like moving thing. And it's like, oh, you're like a good yeah. person. Even though she pretends not to. Um, right. And so like Fenris is this, it's like, oh, you might be angry, but like you're really just hurting inside. And like Anders, yeah, sure, whatever too. But um, I think that the reason too gets me that is like there's so many characters that, end up in different places than they, where they were when you started in the game. And I'm a huge Aveline fan, even though she's not romanceable, but she is just a great kind of character. Uh, one of the questions you had is there's a character you wish was romanceable? Um, yeah, we can't move on from Dragon Age 2 without answering this question. Well, Everybody in the Dragon Age fandom has an answer to that. <laughs> right. I actually don't want a Varric romance. Um, I know you're in the minority. Sorry, right. Bud. So, but and I don't want an Aveline. I don't want an Aveline romance. Uh, I don't either. I kind of wish that Scout Harding was a full romance in Inquisition. Um, yeah, totally agree. So, like, I think I, we need a dwarf romance that's not a player character and a companion, and so that's kind of where we are with that. Um, but we never heard who shall be romanced in Dragon Age Two either. Oh, I forgot. Um, I. I think my canon one is Isabella. Um, I did not love Dragon Age 2, so I'm not super attached to that one. Um, right now I'm doing a playthrough, kind of doing a playthrough, um, where I'm romancing Meryl for the first time, which has been interesting. It definitely makes me a little bit more sympathetic to her than I have been in the past. Um, so I just, I also feel weird because she seems so young and so naive. So it feels mm-hmm. it feels weird to romance or kind of like Jen, how you feel about Alistair. So yeah. mm-hmm. I have a question that, for but... you now. Do you uh, see my little theory about who Meryl is working for? You mean is Meryl working for the Dread Wolf? Yeah, I think that's what's happening. I, I think it's a possibility. I do think it's a possibility. I love that theory. Because she's so obsessed with the Alluvion, and that's, like, such a big part of Solus's plan in the end mm-hmm. end game. And, like, so this is a fun fact about Meryl. So there are two elven gods that the elves do not, like, invoke their name. And that's the Dread Wolf because of, like, the betrayal and all of that and, like, the deceiving kind of aspect and then Elgernon, like the king god, because he's known to be wrathful and vengeful and everything. Meryl does both. Hmm. She'll say, like, by the dread wolf, and she'll say, she'll talk to Elgernon and stuff like that. Yeah, it is interesting. We, like, got so deep into the elven gods and all that in, um, at the beginning of our podcast. So now we, like, whenever we go back and play through the games, we notice all that little stuff now. <laughs> Which is just funny. But, yeah. Um, back to back to the romances. I know so many people wish Varric was romanceable, but I go back and forth. Like, obviously, I would romance him if if the option existed. Like that. Yes, I would have done that. But I really 
And uh, Cassandra from Inquisition is my favorite character of Dragon Age. I love her to death. But I also love her romance a lot. Um, I have a few little gripes with it, but whatever. Um, but I really ship Cassandra and Barrett. Um, I saw somebody talking They're together. About it. Yeah, I, yes. Well, oh, I yes, saw somebody yes, talking agreed. about it once on on Twitter about like I can't even remember what they were saying, but they had drawn fan art and all this stuff, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I had to do my research, <laughs> and there's like a bajillion fanfics of it. Um, and of so, course, of course. And then I started a new playthrough, and just watching. There's so many scenes with them. Number one, more than any two other characters in the game and I just think that he understands her in a way that nobody else in the games does and her her particular like brand of kink you know he writes the romance novels that she loves that is very fair but even like even in two there's like there's sexual tension there like in those narration scenes like yeah okay I could see it I'm really surprised they need to address Varric and his... Sorry, Jen. I was going to say, I'm surprised that that's not one of the, you know, non... Not squad mate, not party member one hookups that will happen. Does that happen often in the Dragon Age mm-hmm. series? Because I know that in Bioware's Mass Effect series, if you don't hook up with one of the characters, they can couple off together. Does that happen in Dragon yeah, Age? Yeah, I'm not sure. It does happen. I, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. Um, but the, the biggest one is the Iron Bull and Dorian in Inquisition. Mm-hmm. They get together um, if you don't romance either of them, which I really like because Dorian is a noble mage from Tevinter and Iron Bull is a Canari. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, you both have to grow a lot to end up together. Um, but it, it first starts out as just like a sexual relationship and then it, it turns into something deeper which um, is fun, but you really only get it in like banter and when you're walking around. So you have to listen really closely to hear about it. You can't, you can't just like go talk to them. Well, maybe you can talk to them about it after it's triggered, but you can't like, you can't go and initiate that. It has to happen in the banter. Mm, you can't um, walk in really and find like them making one. out. No, no. Not. I wish that'd be amazing. <laughs> You get that scene with if you do romanceable where other people walk in on you guys. Yes. Yes. Oh my Classic. gosh. Classic. Yes. I think <laughs> and then so funny. also in Inquisition, Harding and Sarah. Right? Did you I tell me think that? So. Oh yeah, I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. But but Harding also flirts with um, Professor Kenrick in oh, the yeah. Frostback Basin yeah. DLC too. So Harding's just getting it on with everybody. <laughs> Good for her. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Jen, do you have any questions that you can think of still that we haven't talked about? Oh, well, my favorite one, especially because you guys are the lore masters, you guys are. I wanted to know if we found anything about the origins characters that we've covered so far that you didn't know, Mm. or if there were any key factors that we missed talking about Zev and Alistair and Morgan. I think there are two things for me that come up. Number one is when I romance Zevran, um, I romanced him as a female city elf. So when you're talking about the male parts of that romance, I didn't get any of that. Um, so I really enjoyed that part of, of y'all's episode. Um, and I do agree with you, Jen, that it seems a little bit more 
maybe not significant, but like more impactful from that that male um, romance instead of just like the regular straight mm-hmm. romance. Um, I, yeah, I think that's a little bit more powerful. Um, but then the other thing, y'all really made me think hard about Morgan's backstory because I didn't really interpret like Flemeth's relationship with Morgan as abusive at least yet like you always know Morrigan thinks that Flemeth is going to kill her like so that Flemeth can stay alive and and be you know continue living so I always focus on that aspect of their relationship instead of like looking at what had already happened um and so but I think you're totally right that Flemeth is abusive to Morrigan I mean Morgan talks about how she she doesn't know what love is. Like hmm. raising a child to not feel love is a yeah. Um, so that really made me think really hard um, about Morgan and um, about her romance and about just her characterization in general across all two all two or three games that she's in. Um, but I really think, and this is my opinion. Um, I think that the Morrigan friendship is better than the Morrigan romance. Me too. Just because, yeah, it's meaningful when like your partner or boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever teaches you something about love. But I think we see that all the time in media, but we don't see platonic friendships represented as Mm -hmm. often um, that are that impactful. And so that I, that's why I think romance ro, uh, Morgan's romance is Morgan's friendship is better than the romance. Um, so I think those are the couple things that y'all got me reflecting on. Yeah, definitely on the Morgan one after I was sitting there and thinking about it and like what V was saying about, you know, it's like, I don't really think that this is the best romance and everything like that. That's when like later on, I was really, really thinking about it. And I kind of still stand by my point about how I like it as a romance because of the fact that it's like, I have a child. And if I hadn't known love, in uh, the way that I know love, I don't know if I could love my child the same way. If I came from a very right. abusive household and didn't learn how to be loved, how to how to receive love, how to give love, how you were going to raise a literal demon baby, I don't know if that's going to come out the right way. But I also don't know what happens in two and three and beyond. So, but for me is just like I would want somebody to love her enough that she understood what love is so that way she could pass it on to what would be mine or Alistair's child. I kind of really echo that a lot like kind of like what I learned in like a new aspect is that like you really did change my outlook on Flemeth because of what happens in the later games we kind of default to Flemeth being a trustworthy character to Flemeth being a a good character and mm-hmm. kind of listening to that podcast really kind of brought that back into question because she's not a good character in origins Mm-mm. like that's a hard fact like she is mm-hmm. not trustworthy like she does not presented or painted in that light and i think that based on what can happen in you know origins or what happens in origins and what later happens in Inquisition, you kind of see this like Plymouth never stops trying to manipulate Morrigan. And depending on what you decide with Morrigan and in Inquisition, it can feel like I will probably never let her drink from the Well of Sorrows. Yep. Because I think that's a fate worse than death for Morrigan. 
And the fact that scene with Kieran and Flemeth in Inquisition, I think, would break Oregon. And just like, here is this person that I have, you know, and she even says in a conversation you can have with her as the Inquisitor, you can have this conversation that says, um, she's like, I have learned so much. I never imagined myself in this position of like being a mother. And Flemeth can take that away. And I think that is the about the shittiest thing that can happen to Morgan. Yeah. I think that's why I, when I was thinking about the romance and when I rated it, I decided that my favorite part, because that's how I had played it in my canon playthrough was I was a female warden and I befriended Morgan. And I just like, because like Genesis, I have also have a daughter and I'm like, when I was researching Morgan and Flemeth, like, has sex with all these chastened men like in front of Morrigan basically which in and of itself is disgusting and abusive but like also hits her and tells her she's gonna take over for her someday and I'm just like I can't imagine doing this to my child and not teaching her love and like Morgan isn't or sorry Flemeth isn't Mathal she just has a piece of Mathal in her so there is some human woman Mm. that is Flemeth that is doing this it's not we can't blame it all on Mathal you know so it's just and that's why I totally agree don't let her drink from the well of sorrows. I don't want her at the beck and call of Mathal forever, especially with Kieran. And good on you, Morgan, for breaking the cycle. I will always befriend her forever. I just, I know you call your daughter Rex. I call my daughter Nug because I called her Nugget when she was in my belly. Now it's just Nug. That's her nickname. That's not oh, her actual name. <laughs> that is one of the most adorable things you can do now that you say Nug. And one of the reasons that I really... <laughs> there are Nugs in Dragon Age. Right. Uh-huh. That I really tried to like get the... Liliana romance. You can have a conversation with Liliana where she's like, I think nugs are adorable. Oh, yeah. I uh, I forgot she like breeds mm-hmm. them, right? Yeah. <laughs> in in Inquisition. And you can take her one. You can take her one in Origins and give her one and she is so excited and it is adorable. <laughs> and she has it with her in Inquisition. Oh, yay. Isn't it always at the camp after yeah. you've Mr. given it to her? Shmooples yeah. or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, she has multiple. There's Shmooples and there's Bonbon and there's yeah. another one, I think, too. I can't remember all their names. I think she names subsequent nugs after the first one, though, because I remember reading a Probably. letter in Inquisition where it's like, Mr. Shmooples the sixth or something. Oh. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's cute. <laughs> yeah. Have I wonder you? if it ties in. I haven't looked that up, it's, so I don't know. It's like Geralt naming every horse horse roach. Yeah. yeah. Um, Vervada, I was going to ask you if you've met the Nug King. Ooh. What? Yeah. No, I, ha- I had my um, Battle Nug mount in Inquisition, <laughs> but I've never heard of the Nug King. Okay, so you need to do this. It's in the DLC, The Descent. And um, it's, it's kind of obscure, so you need to look it up on exactly how to do it on fandom. Um, but basically, it implies that the Nugs are sentient and, like, understand language and all this kind of stuff. Um, because there's a Nug King who's, like, the king of all the Nugs. And um, you get to meet him and you just kind of nod at each other um, down in the deep rows. It's hilarious. What the heck? It is I, hilarious. People eat Nugs. I yeah. have killed yeah. so many Nugs. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. just for funsies. <laughs> by just accident. By accident for, <laughs> for funsies. Crafting. Yeah. Yeah, because you need nug skin, nug skin to yeah. make armor. Yeah. 
And then now I'm just imagining they're fully aware of what's happening to them. Because you look at them and you're just like, they're just blobs. They don't think. (laughs) They're just alive, you know? They're naked mole rats. Yeah, Yeah, they're naked mole rats. They're furless bunnies. But no, apparently. Jen, I know you uh, stan Alistair, but in your research, is there another romance that you uh, want that you think is drawn to you? Oh, no. Like, I picked Alistair because uh, he was the cute human, and I was like, my dwarf's not going to be able to romance a human, but apparently it works that way. But no, if I, uh, on my next playthrough, I'm totally going Zev. Zev all the way. Mm. I think as me as Genesis would pick Zev, me, my warden. I feel like it's a perfect example of like us as hosts of this podcast is you would pick Zev and I pick Alistair. Like that is all you need to know about our personalities. <laughs> like for this podcast, you know, that is exactly yeah, right. I see that. And, <laughs> you know, one thing that does frustrate me about Dragon Age 2 and the joke about Dragon Age 2 is Dragon Age 2 is the bisexual game because everyone is romanceable <laughs> by everyone. Can, can and, I pause for a second? Yeah. Um, I love the joke that if Dragon Age 2 is the bisexual game, does that make Mass Effect 2 the straight game? I mean, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of true. I mean, that's where Miranda first showed up, so I will definitely yeah, think that. Fair. You know, they say they decreased the shots of Miranda's butt in Legendary Edition, but I don't think they really did. It was still everywhere. It's so surprising to me at the studio that's like very inclusive of all, especially gender identities. And then you have them make Miranda. Miranda. And I'm like, this is what I was expect from literally any other studio. And you just yeah. did that too. Right. Okay. I but, thought you were different. <laughs> but do y'all want to know my crack ship for Mass Effect? It is yes. Miranda and Jack. I ship it. I ship oh, yeah. it. Oh, gosh. I ship they it will hardcore. have hate sex. Hardcore. I can mm-hmm. see it. Yeah, totally. 100%. There's way too well, much tension. Especially in the in 100%. Mass Effect 3 Citadel DLC, they it it fits so well. Mm-hmm. You can oh, tease yeah. them. Yeah, like this is just uh, sexual. Yeah, I, I, just, I love it. I always say sexual that sexual tension. You two need to work out. You guys yep. just need to kiss. I think it's creepier when male when bro ship does it than fem ship. It is less creepy if you uh, make your bro ship gay, though. That's true. That's true. That's fair. That's probably <laughs> cultural bias. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But. That, that being said, I do appreciate Bioware and Origins, like, making, just not going default. It's like, okay, well, we'll just make everyone romanceable because I think it gives a depth. When characters have particular sexualities, as long as all those sexualities are represented in some way, like, it feels more real to me than just like, okay, well, everyone is, you know, open to everyone. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Well, because that's not real life. Like, no. if you want to make it feel real, then people are going to have certain sexualities. It's not just going to be like, you can romance them, whatever, it's fine. Everyone mm-hmm. is fine with everything. That's mm-hmm. just not real life. And I mean, it totally makes sense to me why Morgan isn't romanceable by a female warden. She is specifically out there to have a baby. You cannot do that with a female warden. It makes sense to me. And like people talk about how they're angry that Cassandra is not romanceable by a woman, which I get that. But I do like that she is, you know, this badass woman who is also, you know, traditionally feminine in other ways, too. I Yeah, when I've heard say, that from so many people when you that she's coded as a lesbian. But are you, I, are you I, mad about I, it? I am mad about it. I, I don't think she should be a lesbian, but I do think... I do think that she should be romanceable by by both of the genders or all of the genders, whatever. Um, Because it just, because you can even flirt with her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I always do. 
Come on. Come Makes on. her so uncomfy. Come on. So, I don't know. I don't know. I See, d- for me, my yeah. one argument is the short hair is strictly practical for okay. a helmet because she wears armor. Like, doesn't mean it doesn't have anything to do with her sexuality sure. or what it should have been. For me, I definitely like the Varric Cassandra thing, which obviously makes her straight, I guess. But I would love that to have happened. That would have yeah. been perfect. Yeah. That would have been awesome. I My husband's always, her canon, his canon is cassandra he loves her so much i love her she's my favorite i think she's really my favorite character in all of dragon age yeah i think in inquisition dorian is mine i wish he was real i would love him as a friend he's just so great yeah he's great my husband uh i i'm like no spoilers at any point for any game i will either spoil myself due to research or listening to somebody's podcast oh we have been at this for almost Uh, yeah. yeah a while I think we covered romance stuff really yeah. well, though. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I do love... <laughs> Obviously, we all have a bunch to say. Yeah. Bioware is the superior studio for romance for me. I think that they do it the best. I am a hardcore, like, because I'm playing through The Witcher 3 right now mm. and just finished season two. You know, I'm a big Geralt and Yennefer shipper just because I think they make each other better. And worse. Um, and worse. Mm. And they... I, you know... And if the internet tells you anything, we are simps for un- reluctant father figures taking on adopted children. <laughs> yes. And so I just really like that. I like their dynamic. Um, I like how they push each other to grow and mm-hmm. make each other angry. I won't spoil the season, but there's a great scene between Jennifer and Geralt in like the... Oh, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Don't spoil. It's Don't a spoil. wonderful it's scene. <laughs> just kind of like explains their relationship a little bit. Yeah. I did enjoy the addition of marriage in Skyrim. Mm. I thought it was mm-hmm. a nice mm. add. And I think that, you know, even though it's kind of really difficult to get, the Serana romance is probably Skyrim's best romance. Agreed. Um, just because it, it has depth to it. But, but that was a DLC is... that was released years later. It wasn't part of yeah. the original game. And at least they, like, gave a lore explanation for why. Like, it's just like, hey, you want to get married? Okay. They're like... It's harsh in Skyrim, so people just get married because there's little time. Because you brought them a <laughs> bouquet of flowers. Amulet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a house? Cool. Give oh, me some and flowers. Let's adopt. Sounds like adopt children. children. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, Blackwell. His signature cologne is desperate. Yeah. <laughs> I love. We will get to that. I love Blackwall. Yeah. I don't know if I like Tom Rainier or however he says his last name, but I like Blackwell. Yeah. I think we did an episode on the real Tom Rainier. Or, yeah, we... We did. or no, the real Blackwall, not. Yeah, the real Blackwall. And so there was just, that was a cool thing to learn about, like, who he, that warden actually was. But I think that Blackwall represents, like, what it is, like, what we seek out of redemption stories. The art of Dragon Age is so superior. Mm hmm. Yes. It really is. I especially love the tarot-style cards that they start doing in Inquisition. Yeah. I was like, ooh, yes, hang that all up in my house. And then they just released, I don't know if you guys have seen the hardcover special editions of all the novels for the Dragon Age yeah. novels. I got them all at so Target. Cool. Like, mm. <laughs> I was like, wow. they look like a fancy library version of the these books. Yeah, oh. they were at Target. And I was like, yep, snatching those up. I just realized we completely forgot about Sten. <laughs> can you romance no, no you can't but no oh, i was I gonna say but that he was the only... one that i wanted to romance in origins just because you know he's got to be packing something oh 
you should look up the uh, like the art of Sten in the comics. Like in, he's redone in like the traditional Kinari like style mm. that's later in the games, and it's like hello. <laughs> yeah, research. I remember when I played now. Dragon Age two and I saw the other Kunari. I was like, Sten was a Kunari. He looked nothing like them. Like, cause I didn't realize the technical issues with horns in that early Dragon Age game. And then they kind of added like, oh, he got his cut off. And But now that I know, I will definitely be looking that up. Or Jen's going to send it to me, I'm sure. Tea party concludes. <laughs> I definitely spoke a lot more than Jen this time. But that's only because I'm the Dragon Age nerd out of the two of us. I promise she was there the whole time listening. I was. I was totally there. Not only listening, but taking notes and learning as much as I could. And since the recording of this episode, I have almost caught up with the Dragon Age lore cast. So your girl is learning and is really going to put a lot of time into finishing that first playthrough. But I also just landed on Rannoch and I can't pull myself away from it. But I promise to keep you posted on my playthrough. I can't wait. <laughs> Dragon Age is the best, but also compared to Mass Effect, it's the same amount of amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you so much to the tea party, the cups, Austin and Shelby for coming and talking all things video games with us. Mm-hmm. But you can find me in the Robots Radio Discord channel at Vervada and come give us a follow on all the social medias at Two Girls One Ship. Links to those are in the description. Genesis, how can our shipmates reach out to you? Our shippers can reach me on the Robots Radio Discord as well. And don't forget that we will be releasing podcast episodes on Sundays, even if we don't live stream them on the Friday before. And here's how you can reach our friends over on the Dragon Age Lorecast. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DALorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at DALorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Thanks for listening. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi. I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at 3 Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3 thoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell.